Hello and welcome to an emergency Total Soccer show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who committed to the United States long ago. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. I, mean, I have committed. I have yet to be capped, so I'm still <laughs> eligible for no one else. There's no just a else. delay. There's yeah. just a okay. delay. All right. I say emergency. Normally mm. something bad's happened. It is the case. Yeah. We yeah. need a new name because this is like emergency because something good's happened. Happy emergency? Happy emergency. Yeah. Yes. And a happy emergency to you too. And to you. <laughs> so, and also to you. You've probably heard by now yeah. that Serginho Dest made his decision this week and he's taking his talents to South Beach. <laughs> I mean, kind of. And yeah. then the rest of the United States. Yes. <laughs> I hope that's how he announced it as well. So here's the actual quote. from. I think we should start with a quote. Um, th- this is what US Soccer got. Quote, I am happy to announce that I've decided to keep playing for the US men's national team. Um, of course, it was a tough decision for me when the Dutch men's national team showed their interest, but I've built up a very good feeling with Team USA over the last couple of years, and I strongly believe in the plans and potential of US soccer. Mm-hmm. So B plus for grammar, um, <laughs> but we love hearing it, right? We do, we do. And worth remembering, he's probably speaking extemporaneously, and yes, then they're putting course, it yeah. into quotes. It's always interesting when people have to do that, and you can see the changes of pace and yeah. where they threw in different ideas. And in the case of certain pres- presidents, it gets even more <laughs> difficult. So here I would say Sergio Dest did wow. well. shade thrown at Taft. I, I, um, right? <laughs> we also both watched um, an interview. Big Dest. old fat guy. <laughs> we, we can't say that about Dest at all. You right? cannot. But um, Taft, I believe they had to change the size of the bathtub in the White house that's um, how big he was i have heard that yeah. um, so there was also an interview that dest gave to iax tv mm-hmm. like the state tv of iax um <laughs> it's basically what it is uh-huh. right and the interview asked asked him good questions yeah. right and he spoke in dutch so he definitely could speak without that like layer of extra thought right. you know what i'm saying like it's more natural and he basically said it was about the emotional feeling of the united states and about how he's played for the u17s and the u20s um, and that maybe the like you, people have argued that playing for the Dutch national team would be the more rational thing mm-hmm. because he's already in the Netherlands, because he's born in the Netherlands, because that kind of makes sense. But he has a feeling for the US, which yeah. is basically the quote he gave US soccer here. So I am I am going to take Serginho Dest at his word because he told us I'm going to take a break and make a decision. It's exactly what he's done, right? Yes. So I'm, I, I feel like Dest passes the uh, – he has a track record of telling the truth, like George Washington and the cherry tree. Yeah, and, and I, would, I would jump in here to say we would have been, I think, pretty – like positive neutral on it. We have not overreacted. Yeah. We have not tried to read too much into things. Mm-hmm. But I would Tw- say you... Twitter's being chaotic negative. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but you, Daryl, I think were more positive about this process like from the beginning. And I do think part of that was your sort of belief that he was speaking directly and honestly. That yeah. this, is a, this is also a time it's kind period. of a Dutch thing to speak yeah. directly and honestly. Calvinism, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe I've been reading about Johan Cruyff and maybe I've been reading about the Dutch political system of <laughs> the last like 70 years. Anyway, um, I, I do think that if you look at the time period that we're talking about in which he gets his first senior call-up for the U.S. national team, then decides I need a little bit of time to figure things out. So that's it, September, then figuring things out is October. Yeah. Announcements in end of October, mm-hmm. ready for November. But this is also at a time period when a teenager is starting to play first team competitive football for a club like Ajax in the Champions League in the Eredivisie and you can understand then like looking back on it now hindsight being 2020 how that would be a lot to try to process yeah. and, and then on top of that to be choosing a national team would be an incredibly challenging thing which because it requires traveling to another country across an ocean and moving around and yeah. like kind of throwing yourself into disarray and then and it's coming a, back and it's a no going back decision right exactly. he knows that there's like UEFA mm-hmm. games for the Netherlands and there's uh, CONCACAF Nations League games for the US if yeah. he exact same he plays, level yeah. no but if he plays 
this one game, mm-hmm. he is captied for life, right? So this yes. is the yeah. decision. There's no going mm-hmm. back on this. And so, but I think then, like you look at this this timeline, and it, and it is a sign again of a mature decision that yeah. he took time away. He focused on his club career, I would assume, and then sort of met with the federations. We know had lunch with Burhalter and Ernie Stewart, and and it seems like those conversations. I, I'm gonna assume that those were almost a sort of foregone conclusion at that point, that that was maybe they like, hey guys, yeah. just confirming I'm definitely I, with you. So I tried hard not to take that either way, because I did kind mm-hmm. of think, uh, they were there to watch Ajax Chelsea anyway, mm-hmm. right, which has Pulisic, it has Dest, you have maybe Mendes and Pinadath playing mm-hmm. for the younger Ajax teams. It could have been Dest wanting to talk to them face-to-face yeah. and give them his decision uh, face-to-face and Good let right. them down um, in a mature way. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take that as, oh, we've definitely nailed it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but when US Soccer started tweeting it out, I kind of started thinking... Tweeting out, like, the photos of them? Yeah, yeah. maybe they wouldn't be doing this unless they thought good news was coming. Yeah. The, and that is, that is... I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or just, like, when we were uh, hanging out, as we sometimes do. Uh, but it also seems to be a rare thing that US Soccer, like, publishes or retweets or whatever photos of coaches and scouts meeting with these players. Yeah, yeah. So when we first saw uh, uh, Berhalter and Ernie Stewart with Joshua Pinadath, uh, another Ajax youngster, we were sort of like, whoa, like they, oh, right, they do that. Like, they, it's a strange <laughs> moment, but I, I kind of wish we saw that more when you get the, the shots of Southgate, a little bit different, Southgate watching Premier League players play in the Premier League. Yeah. But it's still, it's that nice awareness of like, he's there, he's watching, he's yeah. on top of it. And to see the person who's supposed to be on charge of it and his boss, who's also supposed to be on charge of it, actually doing their jobs, it's a comforting <laughs> feeling. <laughs> Can I say, I would love to be a, a national team manager purely for that part of it. Yeah. You've got like a few weeks between games where you can mm-hmm. just go and watch your players in various high-level competitions. It'd be great. I don't disagree. Three tickets as well. I don't disagree. I would love to be a national team manager. I would add this. Like This is kind of a, a non-sequitur that I think actually connects, but it's a thing we haven't really been able to talk about. Is I, I would point out there... It is like Moneyball has that scene when they have to let players go and how the players kind of are on phase, but how like emotionally taxing that can be. And for all of the call ideas of like, call this player out, call this player out, drop this player, we shouldn't have him involved anymore. Worth remembering that those are humans. And it is like a huge aspect of success on the soccer field is relationships. And yeah. if you're all bonded together and know how you're going to play, then you have a more likely chance of having strong results and putting together good performances. But if you're like dropping people and not explaining why and there's a lot of chopping and changing, it makes it really difficult and I say that just to say that like I know we want Berhalter to call in a bunch of people and cap tie them all but that is at the expense of other players yeah, who he's not playing Pokemon right no, he's exactly. dealing with real humans exactly so I'm happy that in this case dealing with a real human led that human to feel <laughs> valued and thus choose playing for the US so let's talk about what happens now that Dest is going to play for the US men's national team mm-hmm. and US soccer seem to hint very strongly that he will be called up in November for the home game against Canada in the CONCACAF Nations League which is must win if we want to advance to the next stage and then the uh, um, away-ish game mm-hmm. um, against Cuba. Cuba. Um, I want to make sure. Oh, so I want to make sure. I want to talk about sure. where do we use Dest on the field? Because the interesting thing is he's a super versatile player, right? He, he plays right back for Ajax. He has played left back. He's played left back in the two games he did play for Berhalter against Mexico, then against Uruguay. He's also played on. He's played right back and left back mm-hmm. for the U17s and U20s. We've also seen him on the wing on either side uh, for Ajax. I'm not sure if for a, for a national team. So I'm very interested in now. How do we, where do we field Sergio Dest? I think we saw him playing more on the wing for some of the U.S. youth teams. I think for the U-20s, maybe not in the World Cup, but maybe in Con- He wasn't there for CONCACAF qualifying. Mm-hmm. So I believe we've seen him on the wing at least once or twice for the youth teams. Okay. But that, I wouldn't hate seeing him there. We've had that conversation previously. Yeah, that was my idea in September, yeah. like for his dip into international soccer. Mm-hmm. Maybe just stick him on the wing and let him go at people instead of make him defend. And I think that makes sense, especially, again, hindsight 2020, knowing that I, I still maintain one of his weaknesses, one 
one of his vulnerabilities is his 1v1 defending. Yeah. Also, his aerial defending uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. So immediately put, throwing him in at left back in a very defensive role – I don't think put him in the best position to succeed. So I wouldn't mind seeing him played on the wing. But what I would rather see is him sort of played at left back but, because I think that's where they want to use him. Why we not right a, back? Because you I think there's so many natural. right backs right now. I think you're right. Yeah, I think there's Cannon, yeah. there's Yedlin, there's Lima, mm. there's maybe Tyler Adams, maybe not. We're hoping he gets Probably into not, midfield. But yeah. Mm. but yeah, there's a lot of right backs who are doing a very good job. Yeah. And there's the eternal problem of left back, mm-hmm. right? The, the, right now, like Daniel Lovitz, Tim Ream doing that left-back slash left-centre-back mm-hmm. job. There's no obvious left-back, right? So maybe it makes sense to play Serginho Dest at left-back and have him just make that role his own. Yes. And as now that we're going like full optimism because he has chosen to represent the United yeah. States, I'm going to say I would also not mind seeing Serginho Dest at left-back, Fabian Johnson at left-wing. And then you have a person who's capable of being a left-back at left-wing, a person who's capable of being a left-winger at left-back. And suddenly <laughs> you've got some rotation. You never know where they're going to be. They pop up at different points. They combine really well. It's a uh, German-Dutch-American connection. <laughs> we score a million goals. We qualify for the World Cup. We win the World Cup. It's all great. Well, here's, um, here's one thing. I don't about, understand why you didn't get on board with that. I mean, I wouldn't be against you it. You don't want to win the World Cup. I want, to, I want to score a million goals. Okay, that's I would fine. watch those games. Right. Do we have to break them all down? We'd have, we'd have a lot of podcasts. <laughs> we'd have ten, 10 ads in every U.S. men's national team I mean, review show. Ryan and I did Leicester-Southampton, which was 9-0, <laughs> and we broke down a few of those goals. Uh, yeah, we won't go too, too in-depth if it's a million to nothing. So here's one thing that does make me optimistic. When he was called up in September, he did play left-back. Mm-hmm. We think he'll probably end up at left-back in the short term for the United States. I think Des playing left-back may be the little sort of nudge that breaks Bearhalter out of his uh, rigid shape, right? Because okay. right now the shape has been uh, the left back moves over and plays left centre back and the right back's allowed to go forward. You can't have Serginho Dest in your squad and ask him to do that job, right? Mm. You can't ask him to do the Tim Ream role. Um, it's more likely if Dest is left back, he'll be allowed to uh, to get forward. Even if he's li- not allowed to, he's going to probably do it anyway. I think this might make the US a bit more just a bit less reliant on that rigid shape mm-hmm. and might be a bit more like the left back goes forward and overlaps. Maybe if it's not Fabian Johnson, then Dest could be overlapping Christian Pulisic. We saw that a bit in September against Mexico and it looked kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Cannon or Yedlin or someone on the right uh, getting forward as well. So we'll basically have a more traditional fullbacks attack and get forward, overlapping fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. which would be nice and is traditional and yeah. has been proven to work, thus it's tradition. Yeah. My question there, and I promise this is not just semantics, but you said you think this might happen. Yeah. Is that you actually think Berhalter will do it or is that you want it to happen? A bit of both. Okay. Right? So obviously I want it to happen because mm-hmm. I think the shape be- has become too um, – not predictable, but like uh, just rigid for the players. It's almost like it, mm-hmm. they're in a straitjacket. Oh yeah, kind of. I right? will get I, I, no arguments from me. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to get at, maybe the follow up question would be like, is this a thing where you think, from what we've seen from Berhalter thus far, that you would expect that experimentation, or more to the point, if we don't see that from Berhalter, does that make you upset? Do you does, is that sort of another mark against him if we see Serginho Dest sort of sitting back and being a defensive left? I mean, back? if they ask him to do the defensive left back becomes left centre back mm-hmm. role, yeah, that'll be a mark against Berhalter because. Okay. Misuse of Shadinho Dest, right? Yes. But the reason I actually think it will happen in some form is we've already seen it um, against Mexico and against Uruguay in September. Um, uh, Dest was the left back and Cannon was the right back, mm. right? And from what I remember, Cannon didn't get like, you know, a lot of the time when you've got the, the left back becomes left centre back, Cannon's 
way on the touchline and way far forward. It was a little more balanced from what I remember. Like Cannon didn't immediately become a right winger uh, because there's a bit more of like a pulley system of like sometimes the left back goes forward and sometimes the right back goes forward. Mm-hmm. So it'll make it a bit more traditional and a bit more like something that people recognise. Mm-hmm. And maybe uh, the big thing is not just something people recognise, but something that the players are more comfortable with because most players are comfortable with a back four and full backs that both sides are capable of getting forward. Mm-hmm. And... If it all works out, this is the super optimistic part, it stops us having that problem we had against Mexico in the Gold Cup final. Do you remember when they switched? Um, <laughs> yes, I remember us having problems. But do you remember the, the big problem was that yep. um, they, they switched the – was it Pizarro maybe? Yeah, I mean this was my biggest thing. I was so mad about how like we've got to have a solution for this, right? And there wasn't a solution to what you're describing. Yeah, I think they just had him switch wings mm-hmm. uh, so that he could pin uh, Cannon back. Or maybe yep. he attack Ream because Ream wasn't get, getting forward. Yeah, it was that. It was Cannon that. was pinning him back, right? Yep. So then he switched wings. Ream was never going to pin him nope. back. And we couldn't, we couldn't like do a mirror image of the shape to do the same thing. We were just beaten by Martino's tactical change, right? Yep. If you've got a right back that's happy getting forward, left back that's happy getting forward, it's not as easy to be like, oh, I see where it's lopsided. We'll just do it there, mm-hmm. right? So that makes me optimistic. Okay. All right. I'm glad you have optimism. I'm <laughs> not sure I share it with you, but... but it also raises up the optimism for that Canada game because yeah. everybody's already on the negative of like, Behalter out and we're going to lose this anyway. Like, at least like from a, from a fan base perspective, this gives us something to look forward to in November. All right. Yeah. All right. I'm with you on that one. I, I'm definitely more excited to see a, a team that features Serginho Dest. Yeah. Tied and ready to play for the United States and officially committed to the mm-hmm. United States. And officially till date. Also that, yes. They did add that <laughs> to the US Soccer website. That did not used to be there. And it is today. Maybe it was added previously, but I only noticed it today and it was definitely not there like a month or two ago. It's a mark of respect. Maybe it's part so. of the negotiations. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I'll join the US, but you've got to promise me you'll find out how to do the till date on the keyboard. Maybe they have that many dual nationals <laughs> and potential players playing for the US that like that's on the questionnaire. I'm like, do you have any accent marks or seal days? We need to know that up front. And how do we access them on this keyboard? Because the next one, true. Because the next one, I believe Adam Saldana, slash Adam okay. Saldana, I'm still not sure which one it is. Uh, and I need them to officially figure that one out, too. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about with Sergio? Also, Cervania as well. I'm not sure about that one. Really? Either. Yes. I think it has NIA. It so does. But I don't know if that was an adjustment to, like an Americanization of it. It's all very, it's all very curious. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that might be like an Anglic- Anglicization of it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, we're getting sidetracked. Don't <laughs> act like you don't know what that is. Anything- Anglican man. <laughs> I go around doing it. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about with Virginia Desk before we, uh, before we just move on and wait for uh, November USA v Canada in Orlando? I, I know this is like, a, like maybe going to ruffle feathers because of what I'm about to advocate, but I was watching Atlanta United uh, play in the knockout round and I really enjoyed what they did against the Philadelphia Union in that they were essentially in a back four, which was like surprising to me because I, I have the idea of Atlanta playing in a back three, like branded in my head. To see them play in a back four, I wasn't sure how it would work. And a big thing that they did was the usual spreading the center backs wide, attacking fullbacks, and then the and then uh, yeah. center back Le- Lorenowitz dropping in. Or sometimes Nagby, right? They would take yes. turns dropping in, being the distributor. But they did it aggressively. It was never yeah. that slow jog back. It was a like, I've got to be back in between them. I'm sprinting 20 yards back to get the ball, and then I'm turning and driving forward, or I'm playing it wide. Yeah. And that system, I think think would work very well with this form of the U.S. national team. If you did have Cannon and Dest, if you had sort of more comfortable on-the-ball center backs who can also do a good job, can roam around and make defensive plays. Would you be happy with Bradley That's being the, the one question. dropping in between? It, see, the thing is, like, I still don't know if, if 
part of, I know people are going to roll their eyes, but I genuinely feel this way. I don't know if some of what we've seen from Bradley in that slowness when he drops in and kind of puts the foot on the ball and slows things down is him doing that because that's what he does or him doing that because that's what he's been asked to do. And I think if we, if we knew that he was charged with drop in aggressively, sprint back, get that ball, move forward with it, that would help me answer that. But I also think to sidestep your answer, the other option would be Tyler Adams doing that. I think he's more than capable of doing it. It's ironic that the two guys we're talking about who did do it for Atlanta are both US eligible. Isn't that strange? And Isn't was, that funny? Yeah. <laughs> just a little head scratch. One final thing I'd like to uh, note. We went back and very quickly just watched a few clips, not clips, but we, we selected little minutes to watch from USA Uruguay mm-hmm. with Dest playing left back. And just randomly, it happened two or three times that Dest would be... Um, in a tight spot. Yep. Uh, he's very much like George Clooney and her brother Bear out there. Damn, we're in a tight spot. It's two George Clooney references in two shows. One by you, one by Ryan Bailey. Hey, the man's a classic. Well done, people. Um, Dest would, when he's in a tight spot, he will, you know, drag the ball back, mm-hmm. m- make a move, drop a shoulder, get himself out of tight spaces in a way that, with all due respect, Daniel Lovitz is not capable of. And even Tim Ream, who's a very calm passer, he doesn't have those moves and those quick changes of direction and that little burst of pace to get himself out of tight situations like that. So what we're, if you're thinking about what do we get with Serginho Dest, even if you don't see him like um, almost playing as a left-back slash left-winger, it's a player of technical quality who and bravery who will get himself out of tight situations. And it might be just part of the key to making the US be able to be a possession team Team that isn't that doesn't look like a team with no ideas, right? Because right? when you get surrounded by players, he can drop a shoulder, pull a move, faint this that this way that way. Suddenly the ball is free and he's free, and away we go. Yeah, right. Because the vulnerability of like a pressing system is if you overcommit, if you get beat uh, in that kind of one v one situation, now everybody is outmatched or mismatched. And I think Dest is a player who can like alleviate that pressure, who can yeah. beat one or two or even three players, as was the case against Uruguay. And once that happens, you then see quick break where players are open because the United States is able to play quickly because he has sort of alleviated that pressure early. It opens up opportunities later. Oh, it just occurred to me that maybe that's what Bejalta was hoping for in that friendly against Mexico, mm -hmm. thinking, oh, now we've got Dest, we can break that press. And it turned out... I mean, you've got to have some other options in there too. Yes. (laughs) Would be a key part of that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But we, yeah. hopefully we see that against Canada, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, we're excited. We're excited. We're trying not to be overexcited, but just let us be excited. Yeah. This is a thing that could, really could have gone either way, and it went for the United States, right? right? And it went for the United States because of the work that guys like John Hackworth and Tab Ramos have done mm-hmm. uh, with Virginia Desk for the U-17s and U-20s, respectively. I, I think there is a fair argument to be made. I promise I'm not just doing the, like, you know, he's arguably one of the best, which is a way of not having to say he is the best. I think you could make the argument that this is the brightest bright spot since the United States failed to qualify in Cuba. Like, really, if you think about it for a moment, like, what would be the other options? Appointing Burhalter, that still has a lot of problems behind it. The interim uh-huh. year, I don't think anyone's going to point to that as, like, a strong success, and everybody was happy. So, what, making it to the Gold Cup final but not winning? Like, I, I don't know how many right, bright, bright spots there have been. Yeah. A player of Serginho Destes. Uh, potential and current quality choosing to play for the United States over the Netherlands is to me one of, if not the brightest spots of the last like two years in U.S. soccer on the men's side. Need to clarify that one yeah. as well because, you know, there was that whole Women's World Cup thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, one thing I'll say as well is um, a similar but very different situation was Julian Green. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when Julian Green sort of announced, yeah, I'm choosing the United States? Yes. Um, at the time, Julian Green, I don't think, had even made his senior team debut. No. 
for Bayern Munich, right? Certainly it was not. a lot of like hype and promise. And when mm-hmm. we saw Julian Green play, especially back in, uh, this is before the 2014 World mm-hmm. Cup, right? He really did look like a kid, right? He fell yeah. over a couple of times. He got knocked over a couple of times. He really wasn't ready for senior international football at that time. And yet, it's almost and, like his name was penciled into that 23 for some I reason. I mean, we think, we don't know, we have no evidence, but we think that was part of the deal, right? Choose the US, I'll take you to the World Cup. Yep. And he did score that volley against Belgium, but mm-hmm. he didn't do a lot else, right? With Serginho Dest, this is very different, right? This is a guy who has played regularly for um, Ajax now in the Eredivisie, has played in the Champions League two or three times, already has a couple of international caps. It's a much, um, he's not much older than Green was, but he's much more advanced um, in his career than Julian Green was at the time. I, yeah. I very much doubt we see Serginho Des playing in the second Bundesliga in the near future. Yeah, I mean, because at that point we were, we were optimistic about him, similar to lots of other players where we think maybe this could be the one that has the breakthrough that like takes it to the next level. I would say like the optimistic one would have been maybe Julian Green does well enough that he gets loaned to Ajax and maybe he finds some playing time there yeah. would have been like an optimistic thing for like that that year after the World Are Cup. Are you saying Sergio's already, Sergio already doing that? So yes. I feel like we, we do have reason for our levels of hype. We shouldn't get overhyped. We're yeah. not bringing in it's this just one player, right? immediate World Cup winner, yeah. but it definitely puts us in no, a position. You've got to wait until 2022. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> On that absurdly optimistic note, uh, let's wrap it up and say, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for doing, what did we call it, a happy emergency? Mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you for doing a happy emergency podcast with me. Woo! Woo indeed. This will be my last appearance for a couple days, right? Because I've got some travel mm-hmm. to Boston, clinical trial, all that. And mm-hmm. then there's a trip that we haven't talked about yet. But you I believe- do it now? I, don't, I mean, we may as well if this is your last show for the week. You want to do it now? Yeah. Okay, so um, we are going to Germany yeah, from what, Wednesday night? Well, Thursday mm-hmm. morning uh, through the weekend. Right. It's part of essentially a Bundesliga promotional trip. Mm-hmm. They haven't said specifically, but I assume it's this is on the heels of them selling the rights to right. ESPN for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, they invited some media folk over to go and watch a couple Bundesliga games. And right? so I'm really excited to do... Uh, like to post a video of you and me when we get back, like just kind of non-biased talking about how great the Bundesliga is. They're like <laughs> Bundesliga number one hats on and our Bundesliga gear, just like for no reason at all. We think it's a great league. For Bundesliga Uber Alice. Yes, huh? exactly. Uh, I will say, so they haven't asked us to do any no. specific coverage, right? Mm-hmm. And we already cover the Bundesliga through the lens of young Americans. And if you're listening to this episode, worth noting that I'm recording with Matt Herman tomorrow during a Bundesliga catch-up show, not for that reason, but because we haven't been able to focus as much on the Bundesliga, yeah. we like to do that, so worth noting that at this point too because Matt Herman's great yeah he's pretty right? good right um, mm-hmm. so yeah we're going to see what uh, let me think uh, Frankfurt versus Bayern Munich this is true and then we're going to see uh, Dusseldorf Dusseldorf against Köln. so mm-hmm. we'll see uh, we'll almost certainly see Zach Steffen we might see Alfredo uh, Morales mm-hmm. uh, I think also going on the trip they probably won't mind us saying uh, the Cooligans mm-hmm. so we know we'll see them over there we'll probably end up recording some content with them all in German, right? We'll do yep. an Auf Deutsch podcast. Yep, and then I'm going to – I like that plan, and then I'm going to steal Alexis's passport and leave him in Germany. That's also <laughs> part of my plan. That sounds like a great plan. Don't tell him. You All actually, you listeners out there, don't tell him. You actually could do that, right? What, steal his passport? Yeah, because then you have your own passport. You just keep his in your pocket, and away you go. I mean, stop giving away he, my plans. He always says he can talk his way out of anything. Let, let's find out. Let's put it to the test. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that, on that weird, villainous like, note. It's a weird like Survivor episode. Like I'm going to leave him with a photocopy of his passport. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, so he's nearly got it. Yes, he's exactly. Got it, yeah. See if you can talk your way through with this one. <laughs> and I'm going to steal his driver's license too. So it's like you have three debit cards with your name on them and a photocopy yeah. of your passport. Good luck. <laughs> and we won't say Alfreda Zane because mm-hmm. I think that kind of means see you again. <laughs> All right, Taylor, thanks for taking the time. Listeners, thank you for listening to this emergency podcast. We will talk to you again soon.